the Digital Marketing Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the active resistance against bad digital marketing. Miss sold by a seedy underworld of digital agencies to small business owners across the world. Every episode, I try to help you clear up the mystery surrounding this digital voodoo that we call digital marketing. As we strip away the geek speak and the sales bullshit, you may normally hear to give you clear, accessible answers, which allow you to empower yourself with your own DIY digital marketing. This is digital marketing podcast and I am Digital Marketing Punk. This is episode number 13, unlucky number 13, but fortunately we haven't got an unlucky guest because today we're talking about the power of still imagery on your business website. And this episode, by the way, was recorded in, what month are we? January of 2019. Yes, this is the second episode to go live in 2019 and it's very very exciting i have jack spedding on the show today we are talking about he's a commercial photographer a very experienced commercial photographer he's done some fantastic work with a bunch of fantastic clients and i do recommend that you go and check him out on his website jackspedding.co.uk because um i think Photography and certainly commercial photography for a website is one of those underrated things. And I mentioned in the chat that I had with him on the show that I had a conversation with a client on the very day about um, a client basically just saying, well, the images don't really convert. They don't bring us any sales. So let's just get rid of them. And that's the worst thing that they could have done. That's the worst idea because imagery is so powerful. It's interlinked with your branding, your website design. The imagery brings all that together and gives your website life. And that's the importance that I want to get across to everybody today. And Jack, I think believes the same thing as well. So uh, I hope you enjoyed the conversation that I had today with Jack Spedding. Um, so let's get on with it. This is episode number 13. We're talking about still imagery on a website. Go and check it out. Okay, so joining me today, I have Jack Spedding with me. The What can I put? How can I put this? It, you are technically a commercial photographer extraordinaire, I believe is your full title, isn't it, Jack? That should be on my LinkedIn profile, shouldn't it? It definitely ch- should be. I might change that one later on. <laughs> Jack, introduce yourself. Who are you? What do you do? What's your history? Yes, so Jack Spedding, a photographer. I've been a photographer for the last 11 years now, uh, working agency side uh, with some quite big some quite big brands and around two years ago um, I decided I'd had had enough of working agency side and decided to set Mm -hmm. my own company up Um, and since then it's gone from from strength to strength. Excellent, fantastic. So um, it's it's fair to say that I've got the right person on for the job about talking about the power of still imagery and photography today. Yeah, yeah, you'd hope so. I would hope so, yeah. Okay, so I work, okay, I work in an agency. I'm a digital marketer, obviously, um, and I tend to find I'm banging my head against the wall sometimes working with clients and working with, you know, clients of the agency side as well um, when I'm talking to them about imagery because their main concern is conversion, conversion, conversion. I want to drive leads, which is all very well and good. And it's very, very true. But when you try and talk to them about, and it's the same with like designers as well and branding, when you try and talk to them about imagery and photography and the importance of that, 
um, they, they, they sort of gloss over. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So what do you, from your perspective, you've obviously been in this business for, for a while and you know a lot more about it than me. What do you say about the main issues that people come across when they're thinking about you know, their website imagery? Yeah, for me, it's always, no offence to anybody who's called Dave and works in marketing, but it's always Dave in marketing has got a camera so we can do it. And it's that kind of, it's just trying to overcome that barrier of it's, it's so vitally important to your professional image that you get nice mm-hmm. images. Um, a lot of people sort of use websites such as um, Unsplash or iStock, et cetera, et cetera. But then there's so yeah. many other people out there that are using exactly the same image. Like there was one, um, she's called, I think she's called Jen. Um, that had her stock image and there was HP and Dell using her images at the same time and you have to think the the sort of brand equity that you want to build up you can't be doing things like that for your own professional image Um, and people at the moment rightly so are are going the video way Um, but again people are doing it's the amount of phone shots you see on LinkedIn at the moment. And is that the way you want to portray, portray your business? Everybody thinks, oh, I've got an iPhone, I can do my own photography. Uh, and maybe it looks great on your iPhone, but as soon as you want to blow that up on your website, um, or if you want to spread exhibitions or anything like that, as soon as you try blowing it up, you get caught out very, very mm-hmm. quickly. Mm-hmm. What do you think are the main, when you must obviously search around on the web often, presumably in your line of work, you obviously see a lot of businesses and whether it's B2B or B2C, um, you know, website imagery on there. What do you, what really grinds your gears in terms of the things that you sort of come across? And yes. You go, yeah. Well, a lot of my work those. is um, interior and architecture. So I do a lot for construction companies, property development and that kind of thing. And what grinds my gears is wonky walls. I cannot stand it. It's if you, everybody thinks you just put the widest angle lens on um, and shoot, make it look as big as possible. Uh, and it, it just makes your, your, your building look drunk. And it's that kind of t- <laughs> attention to detail that you get from a professional photographer where everything looks straight and somebody will look at it and think that looks right. Whereas mm. you look at something that hasn't been shot by a professional who doesn't necessarily have that eye and you look at it and you're thinking, what's wrong with that image? And every second you're client is thinking what is wrong with that image is a second that they're not sort of reading your copy or they're not going further into your website Um, Mm and it's just little subliminal things like that and that can convert one of your clients into a paying customer absolutely it's funny that you bring up property because um one of my uh sort of key client bases is uh is is property you know ah, letting right, agents okay. estate yeah. agents uh yeah. property auctions and things like that and it photography is really key for them and they don't seem to understand that and the the worst thing and the, the, the real thing that grinds my gears is consistency in photography you know yeah. when you're when you're going from one property to the next, you see photos that are, are different sizes. And because of the way the website works, like you were mentioning before, it stretches them and distorts them. And, you know, you're trying to sell this product. You're trying to sell this property. And not having that consistency and professional finish to photography is really damaging not just your ability to sell that property, but your ability to sell yourselves as, you know, the leading person you know estate agent in the market of yeah. selling a property yeah definitely for the for the sake of whatever it'll cost them a couple hundred pounds or whatever if you're selling a property that's worth sort of 
£200,000 plus, um, mm-hmm. you think of that as 0.1% of what that property is actually worth. The amount of return that you could get extra on top of that from having professional photography, it will add thousands and thousands of pounds to a property or get more people into, say, if you're on business centres, that kind of thing, having professional photography for places like that or property developers who are maybe selling off-plan and doing quite mm-hmm. a few, like they'll, they'll build the first apartment, say, um, and then the rest of them will be sold off-plan. If they first apartment looks rubbish you aren't going to sell the rest of them um so photography is also a great way for a lot of property developers to release funds to sort of get onto their next stage um allowing them to complete a little bit sooner they can then get onto the next project because if they're on site for say a week longer because their photography is poor how much is that going to cost them it probably run into hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pounds by the time it adds up and it's these little things that often are missed quite easily while you're on site um everybody might look at your day and think oh that's that's a little bit but if you mm. sort of sell it as actually i'm saving you a week at the end of this because you're going to sell it quicker um even sort of the cost of the interest or whatever it's going to save you money in the end it's sort of an investment uh, and it's just getting that through to your clients that's going to hopefully sell it a little bit better well, we're on the topic of property then, because I know I know a few uh, a few people in the industry that listen to this show are in are in the property sort of area. Um, right, cool. What do you think makes great interior property shots? You know what what is it? Obviously, you know it, it takes a lot of experience to get to get to that. But you know wh- what is it that makes that makes that so special from from having your photo taken on an iPhone um, that you've just done because, you know, Joe, the estate agent's gone around with his iPhone and taken pictures um, to actually selling something on the website. What is it? Cool. This is where I'm going to plug my blog a little bit. If you go to Jack Spedding, (laughs) which is uh, J-A-K-S-B-E-W-I-N-G.com.co.uk rather slash blog, uh, there's quite a few different tips and stuff on there, especially for estate agents. I've done quite a few over the last month on estate agents and interiors. But for me, whenever I go to a new site, Uh, I'm looking to get a few different range of shots. You want your wide shot. Everybody wants your wide shot, but don't lie too much. Um, Mm. I think most people have got the story where they'll turn up to a property um, on the website. It looked absolutely huge. They get there and you can't even, you know, swing your cat sort of thing. So first off, don't lie. Um, is yeah. that that's a life choice, uh, a life lesson rather, not just a, a thing. <laughs> it is a life um, choice as well, don't lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but then you also want to create some little vignettes as well. So sort of try and tell a story. So put on maybe a 50 mil lens, which is more equivalent to the human eye, um, mm. and just set up some little scenes so that whoever's looking at the image can sort of imagine themselves there. Uh, if you can imagine yourself in a building or in a property before you've even gone to see it, it sort of sets up this little story in your mind of, yeah, I could work there, I could live there, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just putting mm. your client in in that property before they even got there. And that could could help them have a positive impact before they even got to the property. Amazing. Awesome. Student student lettings are usually the worst for this. I know I know yeah. that from experience because they tend they tend to take the properties while there's already students in them. And yes. the place is a mess. There are beer bottles everywhere. There's other things that you certainly shouldn't be seeing in the public view on yeah, tables. Yeah. <laughs> and they're they're the absolute worst for it. It's really interesting today because I had a conversation with a client. I was on a conference call and I was and obviously knew that we were doing this uh this interview today and um I had a conversation. It's about a new website, okay? Um, yeah. And they are um, they're they're a clinic, a weight loss clinic, essentially in Scotland. And they they have a website, a currently existing website, and they're they're basically they're hand they're sort of they're 
their banner image on their homepage, you know, that, that massive image, which you, you can, you can have by choice if you want to, um, was terrible. It's awful. And I told them so, um, because you know, that's the kind of guy I am. But yeah. I, and I told them it was terrible. And they said, well, we agree with you. It's terrible. It's awful. But, you know, it's, it's imagery. It's, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't convert anything. So let's just get rid of it. And I'm going, yeah. well, that's a complete misunderstanding of, of the point. Why, why is that a complete misunderstanding of the point? You know, why should you just not get rid of imagery and do away with imagery? Um, just because it's not, you know, just because it's not creating conversions, just because it's not driving conversions for you. Yeah, well, without getting too geeky into all the stats, your brain can read images hundreds of thousands, well, not hundreds of thousands, but certainly thousands of times quicker than it can read uh, copy. So if you want to get someone's attention really quick, the best way to do it is an image. Their brain will catch on to what it is, they'll read it sort of hundreds of thousands of a second quicker than if you're trying to put it in words. Um, the, the old adage of a picture tells a thousand words, et cetera, et cetera. It definitely works. That's outside of the, the fact that Google loves images. If you can put images on there and you can alt tag them, uh, Google will absolutely love you for things like that. So getting rid of images on your website is, it's just, you, know, you know yourself it's a terrible terrible idea oh yes absolutely i couldn't i couldn't quite believe i was hearing this conversation say we're just going to get rid of it we're just going to get rid of the banner and you know that'll be it we'll just get straight into the to the words and the content he said you know i had to explain to him that this like you just said that image says you know it can can give a thousand words and you can compute um more emotive feelings faster and quicker than you can with an image than through words yeah. and to as long as you get that image right and you're portraying, you can portray a message so much more quickly just through an image and it'll be all subconscious and it'll be subliminal. You know, if yeah. you're not relating that image cor correctly to the message of what you're trying to achieve through your business, then it's going to be completely wrong. Okay. Yeah. How do people, so how do people engage and interact with images on a web page? I think this is a, a confusion that a lot of people have. They, they, they sort of just go, well, I know we need images. I know we need pictures and I know we need photography, but you know, what does it, what does it actually mean? What does it actually do? So how do people interact with images on a web page? Well, it's, it's very different depending on what, what you're selling. There's three main things that people are attracted to. Uh, babies are the main one. Pretty women and pretty men basically are the main thing. So if you can get people in your images, so for example, going back to the property adage, if you are doing property, if you can get people in the images, I don't mean sort of Jeff the letting agent sat on the sofa. I mean, if you can get some really nice sort of um, images that you can use across a range of properties, so almost a bank of images that you can use and say, as like this is the living area, so especially for things like student accommodation where a lot of them are going to be very similar layout and mm -hmm. there may be just a little bit that changes things like that where you might spend a little bit more on say getting a full day together um stuff like that it just ups the value of it when you think of say airbnb and you go on airbnb there's a range of photographers that may shoot their their images um but from personal experience you supply them your images and they all get treated exactly the same way so they're branding um it may pop up on Facebook down the side and instantly I know what's Airbnb and that's just from their yeah. photography. So having yeah. sort of your own branded style of photography, if you will, um, mm. will draw people back to your website and they may see it on an advert and they don't need to see it's X estate agent or X whatever. They will know it's you from, from that night we're great with this last year with the Colin Kaepernick um, advert. They weren't even putting their own branding on it, but you knew it was a Nike advert from what they were doing uh, they took a massive 
well, everybody thought they, they did take a massive gamble, but they knew exactly what their client wanted. Um, mm-hmm. And it t- oh, 10 days after that, they'd made 3.5 billion pounds just off mm-hmm. the good use of photography because they, they knew exactly their client base. Uh, they knew yeah. exactly what they're aiming for. That's one of the major things is knowing knowing your client and knowing what images will resonate with your client as well. You don't just put anything on there. Don't just go and unsplash and you know find some cats and stick them on there because you know people like cat images. You need to know what what's going to work for your sort of target demographic and tailor it to them is mm-hmm. is the way I'd go anyway. No, absolutely. I think I think you're right. And I think the key one of the key things that you said there that really resonated with me was you know, you can make photography a style and a a type of photography resonates so much with your brand um you mentioned airbnb and that's that's really interesting because i never thought of that before that you can see a photograph regardless regardless of well obviously it matters what it is but you can see a photograph and go that's airbnb branding just by how that photograph is manipulated edited i mean yeah, yeah. It's, that's a really interesting that's a really interesting point that you make mm. that's that's, yeah. that's how powerful photography sort of editing can be if you style it all yeah. and I suppose brand brand guidelines isn't it um yes. and, and do it in that way that's that's really interesting actually yeah yeah it's um, a little bit scary how easily your your mind can sort of be tricked that you you get to a point almost where you don't need the text i suppose it's like you see the swoosh of the nike it's getting your yeah. photography to a point obviously you're not going to get to the level of nike overnight but mm. it's getting your photography to a standard where people can look at it and say, oh, yeah, um, that, that's X company. And you know mm. it's them before you even have to read into it. And it's as long as you've got a positive brand image around all that, people see your photography and sort of be drawn to it a little bit because they know what your company is about. Is is stock imagery the enemy then? Is, is, you know, is that what we're saying? I think I have to say it is, yeah. There, to be honest, there is. I think there is a place for it. There's certain photographers that I've worked with in the past who provide stock images to really specific niches. For example, mm-hmm. the nuclear power um, industry and things like that, where it's mm-hmm. not always um, they're not always capable to get in and shoot things at the right time. So, stock images for things like that, absolutely, that's fine. But stock images, if you are, for example, um, estate agents or if you're selling products or anything like that you, it's one of those where you're risking um it's similar to sort of monetizing your youtube um hmm. channel there was one i did some stuff for a bathroom company a few years ago and they were like oh we're going to monetize the the youtube channel sorry i'm going slightly off track here but it does it does make sense um, <laughs> and then they were getting so they, they monetize oh yeah we're going to make some money off the ads that are appearing but then they've got ads for another company another bathroom company appearing before their company thing. It's that whole thing where if you don't know who is who else is using the images, mm. you could be um, almost promoting somebody else. It could be being used for, for anything. You know, Absolutely. you could be you could be selling, for example, um, I don't know, a foster foster care kind of thing. And then mm. that, that picture, I've gone a bit lewd here, so apologies. That picture could then be used the next day for a Viagra advert. And if yes. somebody's seen that for your foster um, advert and then they see that the next day and it's got a totally different meaning to it mm-hmm. all of a sudden you lose your credibility around that for the sake yeah. of spending a few hundred pounds is your mm. the credibility of your company worth it is there is the way i'd go about pitching that it's that could be really really quite damaging to a brand i suppose over you know over a period having having that kind of situation i do have a question a question obviously 
we've kind of established yes it has a place you know stock imagery has its has its place and but so the the resolution to that is obviously getting photography of your own and yes you can do it the you can do it the diy approach um which is all very well and good but the quality sim i think it does take a certain eye it takes a certain amount of skill it takes um you know to really to know know that product quite well to get that right photography so what what is the difference and the problem is the point i'm getting to here is what's the difference between joe the blogs the photographer joe the blogs joe blogs the photographer who says he's a great photographer and you know what's the difference between how do you know you're getting quality photography from a professional photographer yeah well to the the way i'd probably describe it is it's similar to a muscle if you think of your creativity as a muscle say if you were a runner for example you Mm. wouldn't go into a marathon without training because your muscles wouldn't be right so if you're a photographer who's got x amount of years experience or has worked for x amount of people that creative muscle is going to be slightly bigger obviously so you're going to be able to get a better result you're going to get a better time in the marathon for example Mm. um it's just one of those things where when you are looking for a new photographer like obviously look through the website but do sort of bear in mind that's only going to be the best of the best. It's similar to looking at someone's Instagram feed and you see, oh, they're on a yacht today, um, et cetera, et cetera. And it's mm-hmm. that kind of thing where um, people are only showing the best work. So whenever I'm pitching for a job, I'd always like to meet with a client. So certainly meet with a with the photographer that you wanted to work with um, and just get get a nice view. Because there is, there is people out there I know that produce exceptional work, but mm-hmm. they're an absolute bugger to work with. So it's one of those things of trying to sort of weave in almost the two things you're going to get better results obviously from a professional and you'd hope you get better results from a professional photographer anyway because that, yeah. that's what they get paid for and um, mm. but yeah just make sure you get along with them as well is one of the big things for from a creative point of view as well because you may have different creative um outlets as well you for example you may like a heavily cross-processed image or something which may look nice on instagram with a lot of filters on there mm. um, and if that's what you're going for you can probably achieve that with a more amateur style things so shooting on your phone and um, but then if you're wanting something which has to go for example i caught it on a job the other day um, and it was all fine and at the end of the meeting it was like oh yeah we need these um these images to go on an, an eight meter by 12 meter side of a building and then all of a sudden that's like wow and um, if you would ask an amateur photographer to try and do that they would not have no. not necessarily the technical know-how but they wouldn't have the equipment so luckily uh, I'm able to provide that, but it was mm. one of those things where, like, if you hadn't have mentioned that to a photographer and they were maybe not as experienced, and at the end it came to right, we just need to blow this up mm. 700 times bigger than it actually is. It would have been one of those where it's a little bit of a stumbling block, um, and obviously, a professional is used to those kind of issues, and they can hopefully guide you the right way as well. I suppose that leads us on to my next question, which is if if someone, a, a business owner is looking to get a professional photographer on board, what do what do they need to prepare for that? What do they what should they get in order and set out and so that you as as the professional photographer um, yeah. are able to do the best job you can for them? Yeah, well I think a great thing to do is have Again, going back to knowing your customer, it's knowing the goal. If, for example, your goal is to convert somebody on your website, it's knowing exactly what images you want before the shoot starts so that there's not sort of, if the worst thing that I always hear is, oh, just turn up and we'll wing it. 
And it's that kind of thing that, oh no, you know from that moment on that it's going to go downhill. Yeah. So get something. It's, it, to be honest, it's part of the photographer's fault for stuff like that as well. Like if somebody mm-hmm. says that to me now, it's like, mm, maybe not. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just getting sort of a shot list together. Like my best clients will send me a, a shot list. So you know exactly, you can basically have it up on your Mac as you're going through. You'll do a shot list as you go through and sort of have have an idea in your mind at the end how the image is going to be used. So, for example, if they are for social media, if they're in, for your Instagram, for example, um, you'll want them square. If they're for print, you're going to probably want them A4 or something like that. And it makes a massive difference to how your photographer should be framing things hmm. and where certain things are placed in the frame of the camera to sort of draw the eye. Yeah. Um, is, is one of the big ones. And that's going back to use the, using the professional as well because they will know how to, you know, do leading lines. Everybody's been in an art class when they were in year eight or whatever. And you did that sort of looking down the road, leading lines. And it's just little things like that that you'll get from a professional t- photographer that you probably probably miss from somebody else. Yeah, that's that's really good advice. I think anybody who's looking um, who's looking to bring a photographer on board who just doesn't, obviously just doesn't understand it and doesn't know and is, you know, will possibly just expect the photographer to be able to do it all and know it all and yeah there is a certain amount of input that you're going to require to go away and to go away and do something i'm going to fire some questions at you because um th- last week obviously we uh we met and we did uh, a lovely little network and uh, and we did two speeches together um yeah. And you were fired some uh, really cool questions, which I made a note of um, because I wanted to ask you on here as well, um, which was the the first one was how do you make a boring product and service actually appealing and which, you know, let's be honest, I have a myriad of clients which have a really boring product, a really boring B2B service. You know, how do you use photography to make to make that more appealing? Yeah, yeah, I think the the one the um, the example at the time was dishwashers, wasn't it? It's just one of those things where if you've, you've got a white, yeah, you've, you've got a white cutout shot. Everybody's got the white cutout shot. It looks boring. Things like that. I'd always be pitching for a lifestyle set. If you can yeah. put, it's going back to what people like. If they can see a person in the shot, mm-hmm. instantly it's more relatable. You can see sort of scale and that kind of thing. Um, so for a really for a boring product, I suppose introducing extra things like people and putting in a lifestyle environment, that kind of thing, just adding a little more announce, I guess. That's a word I've never used before in my life. <laughs> well, um, hopefully I never use it again. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just going to sort of lift your images a little bit more. There's, mm. there's certain things that the human brain is drawn to as well. So, for example, um, the one I had in my, uh, my talk last week was having people looking at things can draw people's eyes to them. People, for some reason, like looking at circles. Um, mm. Red is also a good colour for drawing people's eyes. So it's just knowing all these little things that can sort of draw somebody's eye in. Maybe you've got a product where, um, for example, I'm trying to think of something where, where for example, it's a car. Um, it's just a normal car, but you want people to look at the wheels and it's just sort of adding something around that area that will draw someone's eye because naturally they're going to be drawn to a circle. If you can add something maybe a hint of red somehow to it people will be drawn to that area almost you'll ignore the rest of the car mm. um, and you'll be looking at that wheel and it's sort of not flying to to somebody but it's using your creativeness subjectively to draw people's eye around an image it's really good for a lot of the interiors and stuff um that i do i'll put a, a person walking through a scene and naturally mm. your eye will your brain will think oh where's that person walking to and you'll follow yeah. 
the line of that person. You might ignore everything else that's going on mm. around it, but all of a sudden, a shot of maybe a street that was quite boring um, for a property developer. If you've got a person walking through it that's got a little bit of blur or something like that, uh, all of a sudden it, it looks a little bit better. Or if you've got a car going through it and that kind of thing, it just adds a little bit of, of life to it. So adding adding people is the best way that I can see to, to well, to any kind of scene. It'll just make it a bit more relatable for people. That's a really that's a really good point. I like I like that a lot. Just adding adding life to that image can really bring can bring bring the image to life you know it's yeah. self-fulfilling yeah. i suppose it, it really is powerful i was thinking when you were saying uh, when you were talking about sort of products before you know you do get you know i think about technology products like you know gaming laptops for example or mobile phones i suppose in particular you know we have yes. products which are essentially certainly with mobile phones they're big black rectangular blobs of plastic and yeah yeah you know but you can take imagery in such a way which essentially almost makes it sexy you know yes. and that's by having i mean what is that is that just by having that abstract viewpoint of it yeah a lot of it's sort of for i used to do a lot for a pc company um, and they're the thing that they knew about this red thing so i'd always put for example a red led light inside the computer mm. um, and you'd be drawn to that and it's just making sort of an abstract, almost an image within the product, if that makes sense. Um, Apple yeah. are really good at things like this. Like you'll go on the website and you'll just see a, a corner, a curve of the iPhone. And it's that mm. kind of thing where you're looking at it and you're thinking, it almost makes your brain think, oh, what's that? So you'll mm. you'll go a little bit further and then you'll get a little bit more. Um, it's just, it keeps you scrolling, keeps you on the page, sort of not giving everything away at once. Um, and it just keeps you sort of, attracted to it for a little bit longer so your brain's working out oh what's this it's almost like a little game if you will hmm. um, and people love games don't they and if you're giving them sort of a little, a little tidbit each time they're like oh what's this what's this they'll keep scrolling they'll keep scrolling the longer they're on your page the more images you've got in there i'd recommend an image maybe every 70 to 100 words to keep people interested mm -hmm. so they'll go down they'll read your image hopefully your image is angled in a way that it directs their eye to the copy so then they'll look at the image the image will leave their eye to the copy, they'll read the copy, right, I've read that, they'll scroll down a little bit further, your next image, that leads into another bit of copy, and it's just sort of guiding your customer down the page or through a brochure and things like that. Uh, that's another, when we're going back to, going on a ramp here, when we're going back to things that annoy you. No, go for it. <laughs> if you've got, for example, if you've got a brochure, don't have anybody looking outside of the brochure. For some reason, you're right, you'll look at this person, Go back to Joe Blogs again. He's having a hard time today. But if, <laughs> if he's if he's looking outside of this brochure, your your client's eye will all of a sudden look outside of the brochure, which mm. is exactly what you don't want to do. If you can have that person looking in, they will follow his eye line. They will go to the copy. They'll go to the next page. They'll get on the next page, and the next page will turn over another image, sort of leading line into something else. And it's all about just using using your image, similar to the way sort of classical painters would lead you through a painting. Mm. It's just getting that sort of leading your client through it very gently. They won't even know it's happening, which is uh, quite horrible. But it's just sort of leading them on that path and showing, well, guiding their eyes where you want them to go. That's that is really that, that's really good advice and really interesting. Um, I'm just I'm just thinking of all the examples that I can and because all this is subliminal, you know, you, mm. you don't necessarily notice it. You you then have this realization of oh yeah, I saw this thing and that's exactly what it did. And yeah, yeah. I didn't even realize it was happening. It's gonna it's gonna mess me up to be honest because I'm never gonna be able yeah. to look at something yeah. the same again. <laughs> Apple are really good at it. They'll start you with 
the edge of it and it's leading down. So you'll scroll down and then the next product will be something else. Um, and the amount of money they've probably put into this with sort of eye tests and stuff mm -hmm. like that, knowing where their clients are going to look. Um, yeah. Obviously, the marketing budget probably isn't going to be as big for a lot of companies. Yeah. But it's just knowing how you can control where your viewer is looking at that mm -hmm. time um, can convert a lot, a lot of sales. Let's talk about social media for a second, because I think this is obviously key. We have some massive, massive, you know, photograph social media platforms. And obviously Snapchat is one and Instagram is a massive player at the moment. It's only getting more yeah. popular. Um, Pinterest yeah. is one that's always been on the sidelines, but we know that it is powerful and it does a lot. Um, yes. You know, what is it about social media and what should we be thinking when we're thinking about the photography for social media in particular? Yeah, uh, going back to sort of your, what you want out of your photographer, have in mind, um, for example, if something is for Facebook or if something is for Instagram or for Pinterest, like for example, Facebook is going um, portrait now. So mm. you're shooting portrait. A lot of the video, they're trying to force that way as well. If you're putting portrait video on Facebook, they're going to give you a little bit of a, a bump in the algorithm and mm -hmm. um, so having things that are portrait fits in for example with your instagram stories your facebook stories your snapchat um pinterest loves things in four three ratio uh, so shooting things almost in a way that you can use them for multiple social media yeah. channels is the mm -hmm. way to go if you know you've got something uh, which you need portrait but then you put exactly what you want in the middle of that so you can then copy, copy crop square it. for yeah. instagram um, then you get a lot of use out of one image. So if you're looking at a day of photography and you're thinking um, about the price, the price of it, you can almost look at that and think, oh, actually, that can cover me across five different sort of social media platforms, mm. and that gives us this one day um, to promote that, and then the next day you do exactly the same thing. Uh, and it's producing content specific to that um, platform as well. Like, don't try and sort of squeeze in a square shot onto Pinterest because Pinterest doesn't like square images. It's just no. knowing uh, there's plenty of templates out there. You can drop your templates into Photoshop or whatever, where you'll get a little guide over and it'll show you exactly what, what they want. Because if you aren't providing images in the right size, um, then they're going to mark you down. Most photographers I have actions in Photoshop where at the end, if I know a client, for example, needs it for Instagram, they need it for Pinterest, um, Facebook, Instagram stories, et cetera, et cetera. They're all ever so slightly different, hmm. uh, which is really, really annoying. Um, but you can just set up a, an action and literally click the action, saves it to all these different formats. Uh, and then you know everything is exactly how that platform wants it to be. Because to them, they want to keep their audience on the platform. Yeah, They don't want you sort of going off the platform, keep clicking a link or anything like that. They want to keep you on there. Um, but yeah, it's just annoying that everyone's got their own separate uh, idea of what the right image size is. <laughs> they don't make it easy for you, do they? Let's be no. honest. <laughs> no. Okay, Jack, well, um, if you had to give any hints, tips for people trying to improve imagery on their websites, uh, onto their business websites, regardless of what they're trying to sell, their product that they've got, what would you, what wisdom from all of your years, which you have built up over this time, what wisdom would you give to them? Hire me. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Out, outside of that, I'd ignore a lot of people. If you go on forums, etc., etc., there's a lot of what I call pixel peepers on there. So everybody says you need the latest and the greatest um, gear, etc., etc. Ignore that. 
Hmm. Um, if you were looking to start out and get your own equipment for um, a small business, I, the most important thing for me is a tripod. Mm-hmm. Uh, so get a good tripod um, and then your lens and then the camera is probably the last thing you obviously need one, but it's probably the last thing that would be on my shopping list in terms of what I was spending money on. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be honest, most people who are shooting for social media, you don't need the most current camera. Anything that's got 12 megapixels or above is going to be absolutely perfect. Yeah. Um, all the marketing jargon that we're told, oh, you need 50 megapixels and your iPhone's got you know seven cameras built into it. You don't need it at all. They all scale them down uh, anyway and squash them down through yeah, compression yeah, anyway, yeah. don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a few clients where they want to shoot 4K video and that kind of thing. Then you put it on YouTube and you spend a day grading it and you put it on YouTube and it's just grainy. Um, <laughs> it's that kind of thing. But yeah, just avoid all the hype around gear. Like my camera that I've got in front of me now, which is my sort of main camera, which has got bits hanging off it, the 1DS Mark III. I think it's maybe 12 years old. Wow. Um, and it, it does an absolutely perfect job. Um, mm. It's carried on plodding on um, all the way through uni and all the way through my professional career. Uh, and un- until it dies, um, it, yeah, it's going to stay. I'm looking at it longingly now, like, please don't die. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can get plenty of good sort of secondhand cameras. You don't, you don't need the best, um, the best equipment out there. Just start small, um, get your lens, um, get your lens right, get your lighting and that kind of stuff right is the best way to look at it. Uh, and then build on it from there. I'm going to ask you a question, which I think I'm going to know the answer to already after you've longingly looked at your camera. But do you ever think, this is a personal question for me, really, but do you ever think we're going to get to a place where cameras in, in mobile devices are ever going to have that parity between between the, the larger, you know, um, the, the larger cameras that you can get? No. Nope. Uh, simply because of sensor size. You're going to... You, it's going to be fine for your social media, et cetera, et cetera, but the sensor size that's in your camera, if you think, well, I'm just looking at the back of my iPhone now, maximum across, it's maybe five millimeters. So the amount of light that's hitting that sensor is so small compared to what's hitting the size of, say, a 35 mil camera or a medium mm. format camera. Um, so it doesn't matter how many megapixels are, say, on this tiny, tiny little sensor, it's all crammed in. It could yeah. be a 12 megapixel camera, but because it's all squeezed onto such a small sensor, mm. Um, it's not going to be able to get you the quality that you need, especially if you are blowing prints up or if you are putting them, if you want the best quality images on your website. Um, yeah, hope, well, unless you're going to get a sensor, which is half the size of your phone, which I don't think anyone's I don't think it's going to happen, no. Yeah. Fingers I wanna, crossed anyway. <laughs> I wanted to do, I know I said last question, but you keep intriguing me with things. I, I, I look through your website and, which I always do, um, with every guest that I have on, but, um, you know, you've, you have worked with some really awesome brands and clients, um, which is, is quite phenomenal. So, you know, you, you, you gave the answer, hire me. I mean, if, if you can, I definitely recommend it because you, you have the back catalog to back that up. What I did notice is let's just one point, which is about corporate headshots, um, which is obviously one of the the services that you provide. And what, why is that so important to business, business clients and business people? Why, why, what's the importance with a, with a corporate headshot? Yeah. Well, to put the question back on yourself, if you, for example, added me on LinkedIn and the image you saw was of me out with my mates with a beer, which everybody has seen that kind of person on LinkedIn. And then you've got the next person you go along, Jack V2, and he's sat there and he's got his commercial headshot, which you can tell he's obviously spent a little time on a little bit of money. 
who would you rather be talking to? Absolutely. No, there's no, there's mm. a, there's a no brainer there. It's the professional headshot. Yeah, exactly. And it's that kind of thing of just getting the right, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The right sort of perceived value in what you provide. Mm. If you are, for example, if you are not talking down to everybody, if you're a tradesman, for example, they maybe wouldn't expect you to have a professional headshot as it was a professional headshot, maybe on a white cutout. So things like that is getting somebody um, on the job with the tool. So you can mm. still have a commercial, a commercial headshot, if you would, in inverted commas, um, but you would be more on the tool. So it's more showing what you do, but it's sort of getting your personality through as well in that shot is a great way to show what you do. So for people who are working in construction, if you can show you doing something, um, it could just tell tell a little bit more in that picture. Um, it, it makes people want to click your profile and just have a little bit, look, oh, what's this guy up to? I like I like that idea having having people in situ because you do see a lot and there's nothing wrong with it. I think first impressions are really really important, especially when you're saying you know we we connected on LinkedIn. The first thing before I even read your name, you know that comes up next to it, the first thing that I'm going to look at is going to be your photograph because my eye is yep. going to be instantly drawn to it. You know, yeah, I, I believe if I'm not very much mistaken, you know, you're wearing a red jumper on yours, and I can see, you know. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know whether that was a conscious not, effort. Yeah, it's, it's not an accident, I'll, I'll tell you. It's one of those things where LinkedIn puts it puts your, fo- your photograph first, your name second, your job title third. So the first thing that people are looking at is your photograph. Yeah, that's They're going to make the decision on that first sort of a thousandth of a second, mm-hmm. mm, what's this person look like, scroll past. Mm-hmm. Uh, before they've even looked at what you do or what value you could be adding through your little tagline, they've made that decision already. Do I want to deal with this person? And if your image isn't correct, um, they've already made the decision not to deal with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. That That is really, really important. I like the in-situ idea. I think the in-situ, you know, you can have a corporate headshot in, in sort of a as a corporate headshot and have them in-situ because as long as it's well done and well made, if anything, that only can make people perceive you in a in a better in a better way. I like that. That's a really cool idea. Um mm. So it works a lot for surveyors and stuff like that. If you have them on site, um, just showing what they do, a little bit of a building in the background, mm. that kind of thing. It just sort of ties the whole idea of what they do together without having to um, sort of scream at people. I, I do buildings, et cetera, et cetera. I really, I, I really like that idea, Jack. It has been really, and I can't, I, I said this to my partner, I said it, I believe I said it to you. I hope I did. Otherwise, it was very rude of me. Um, when we met last year, you did that talk last week. Um, it's been super interesting talking to you. You have opened my uh, my eyes quite considerably to, to, to the imagery. And I already thought I knew quite how powerful imagery could be, but you've opened my eyes a little bit more to that. Um, cool. which cool. is, which has been really awesome. So thank you so much for coming onto the show. Just before you go, just let people know where they can find you, how they can connect with you. Um, you know, what it is that you're, you know, what are you working on anything at the moment? Uh, I have got my own podcast, which hopefully we'll be able to get you on the, the future. That would be creative crossover. Oh, well, thank you. Um, That'd be brilliant. <laughs> yeah, cool. Uh, and the best place to connect with me that I'm most active is probably Twitter. I'm at Jack Spedding, which is just J-A-K-S-P-E-D-D-I-N-G across absolutely everything. So I'm on I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm not particularly active, mm. um, which is exactly what I'm telling my clients to be. You need to be more active on Instagram. <laughs> rah, rah, rah. Um, but yeah, Twitter's probably the best place to connect with me. And uh, what's your uh, what's your podcast called? 
uh, creative crossover. Oh, yes. So hopefully what it's bringing is um, bringing different creative people together and crossing over ideas and how we can sort of help each other out a little bit more. Because one of the things that sort of stuck with me is creatives are quite guarded almost about Mm -hmm. how they do things. Um, And it's almost certain areas of creativeness are a secrets until you're on the inside and it's just trying to you know share a little bit of a bit of our a wealth that's inside our brains that's really cool what was your last what was your last podcast about uh the last one was with paddy McGrath, which were, he's a he's a brand guideline guy um it's very different when you say brand guidelines it almost sounds quite boring doesn't it but when you've met him totally different it's all sort of on the soul and how how you can sort of get your branding through with um, through your logo and things like mm-hmm. that. He's very very good at sort of getting on the inside of his clients' brains and and sort of pulling out things that they weren't necessarily aware was what they wanted to talk to their client about. It all goes back to that knowing your target audience um, and that sort of ties together with how I do it. It's sort of getting your goals down first. Um, and then getting everything else behind that. Because you may come to me, for example, and go, oh, we need photographs for this. Mm. Um, and it may be that photography isn't what you need. Uh, and I'm not one of the people, I'm not scared to say, actually, photography isn't what you need. Maybe you need video to portray this. Uh, I'm not sure whether a client had a positive experience of photography as a whole, and I make a few extra quid. Because, um, yeah, it's just looking after each other a little bit more. Absolutely. Creative crossover. Go and check out the podcast. That's uh, That sounds really good. I'm going to check it out. I keep meaning to go and check it out, but haven't yet. I'm going to apologize up front to you in person right now. Oh, I'm sorry. Not enough. It's not good enough. I will. I will. I swear. Uh, I'm going to subscribe right now. Um, I like that. <laughs> go, and, go and check it out. Jack, thank you so much for coming onto the show and joining me today. It's been really, really interesting. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much to Jack for coming onto the show and talking about photography. I don't know about you, but I know that having that conversation really opened my eyes to the power that can become from just using the right imagery, the right quality of imagery on a website um, is really, really powerful. It's it's sometimes just completely disregarded and that's entirely the wrong thing to do. You should be thinking about the imagery you use, not just on your website, but within your content, um, within your social media. It can be really, really powerful. And certainly these days, social media and Instagram and all that kind of stuff is becoming more powerful. So um, I hope it's given you pause for thought. Uh, I would love to hear your questions your queries, your feedback about the show, about what me and Jack talked about before. Don't forget, you can get in contact with the Punkcast by emailing us at punkcast at digitalmarketingpunk.co.uk. You can also connect with me across all social media. You can find me on facebook.com forward slash digitalmarketingpunk. You can find me on Twitter at punk underscore digital. You can find me on Instagram at digitalmarketingpunk as well. And you can also connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, by far the place where I am most probably talkative, just by searching digitalmarketingpunk. I will appear before your very eyes. Um, it'd also be great if you wouldn't mind, if you've enjoyed the show today and you've en- enjoyed other shows before, if you haven't already do- done so, subscribe to the Digital Marketing Podcast. And if you really like it and you really enjoy it, why don't you tell me and show me your appreciation by giving us a five-star review on iTunes. That would be really, really awesome. I hope you will join me on the next episode of the Digital Marketing Podcast. Until then, I hope you have a good January. See you later.